You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. All of our shows can be heard live here exclusively on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. The show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Brandman University, Commercial Bank, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and The Center Club. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs, make better and more informed business decisions. We have two guests today. If you're expecting to hear my interview with Steve Smith, who is president and founder of Growth Source Coaching, just stay tuned. He'll be our guest a little bit later in the show. Our first guest today is Tori Tayanaka. He's co-founder of Sparkhouse. Tori, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you here. Let's start by uh, looking at you a little bit. Tell us your background. We say it here on the radio show. What's your path to Sparkhouse? Give us a little bit about what you did before you started Sparkhouse. Um, well, a version of Sparkhouse was called OC Film Productions, um, and I actually started that when I was 15 years old back in high school. I took a film class when I really didn't know um, what I wanted to do in life, um, fell in love with film, and uh, my mom actually was a real estate agent, still is a real estate agent, came home one day with a video and said, hey, you might want to check this out. I just uh, got this cool video. And I said, oh, that kind of sucks. How did she react to that? <laughs> well, she was she was like, no way. This th- th- I paid $60 for this. And I was like, <laughs> perfect. I will charge you $50 and I'll do it right now. And oh. so um, right then um, I started filming her um, listing videos and we started doing real estate marketing. So as soon as her friends and her agents and her company saw that, we started doing more and more and more. And since then, it just kind of has snowballed, and we just continue to pick up more and more business. Um, eventually went to USC Film School, picked up a lot of really cool um, techniques in filmmaking and storytelling, brought those back and combined those with the marketing that I learned from starting the real estate marketing company, and uh, launched Sparkhouse, which is now a strategic brand film company. So let's go back to your USC time. Um, were you sort of unique in the you were going to film school to learn how to tell stories, but you weren't doing it for the big screen? I mean, you were doing it for more of a commercial application, it sounded like. Yeah, there's two schools um, at uh, USC Film School. There's film for cinema, and then there's film for television. I was kind of a mix of both, since I really didn't want to do either. I was there to network. I was there to meet uh, the right people, come back um, with partners, come back with collaborators, and to also hopefully pick up some clients. My roommate at the time was at the the Marshall School of Business, Mm. and so I hung out with him a lot, networked a lot with them, and a lot of the companies that were started out of the Marshall School were our first clients coming out of school. Do you stay in touch with your peer group that you went to film school with? Definitely. That's one of the biggest things. I just went back, because I also went to Saddleback Junior College, and I was just talking about how important it was to network and stay connected, not just in your class, but when you were at the bars, when you were hanging out and partying at USC. The, the collaborations that we have, almost every single person that I graduated with from film school is doing some awesome film work. And, you know, you see that on Facebook. You see that net- throughout different social networks. But, yeah, everyone still stays in touch. Oh, that's great. All right, so you teased us a little bit with what Sparkhouse is. So l- let me ask you to talk about, from your perspective, what is it that makes your firm 
different. Why do people choose you to do the video production work? What type of work do you do for them? Tell us a story about Sparkhouse. So at Sparkhouse, we're a combination between a video production agency and then a creative marketing agency. Um, and that just being said, normally when you come to a video production company, you're going to tell them exactly what you want. Can you put a camera here? Can you shoot this? And they're going to make it look pretty. They're going to tell a good story. But um, what they don't normally understand is where is this video going to go? Is it going to go on TV? Is it going to go on the Internet? Why? What else? What a, other time of type of collateral media is going to be distributed with it? And so what we try to do is we work together with the marketing agency or the marketing department of the companies that we're working for are directly with our clients, and we come up with an entire campaign. So we might come up with a microsite, a social media campaign, a mobile app, something that integrates our videos into something a little bit more engaging than just a plain commercial. Is that the wave of the future? Is it something that you're uh, kind of unique at? Do other larger agencies, maybe not larger in size, of, but also maybe more established, if you know what I mean, been around a little bit longer? Do they understand this digital DNA of how they're going to use the film and video, or don't they? Um, I think a lot of them do, and I think people understand really quickly that you can't just do a commercial and say Coca-Cola is the best drink to have. You have to have something that's going to engage them with something deeper, something that they haven't seen before, or just something that just makes the product even better. Um, I actually met with the CEO and founder of Razorfish, which is one of the biggest interactive agencies in the world, and his big thing was saying that the future of marketing is actually going to be Instead of marketing a product, the marketing companies are going to start making the products better by making mobile apps, making things. So if you're going to do marketing for a car, instead of just making a commercial about it, you might make a mobile app that's going to allow the car to, to start, to be a smart car, to do interactions or have video displays that explain how to use the car. Um, it's going to make the experience of using these products and services easier. So what type of clients, just throw... Throw some names at me, the type of clients that recognize your skill and uniqueness and hire you to do their video production work. So the most recent clients that we have right now, we've been redoing a lot of Jacuzzi, um, jacuzzi Hot Tubs online marketing, and so we're doing a lot of video productions for them. Um, for the last five years, we've been creating video content for Entrepreneur Magazine. So entrepreneur.com, if you go on there, a lot of the video content was created by us. Um, we help manage all of the um, actual distributions of that stuff as well. And we've done stuff for Forever 21 that went up in Times Square, up on the, the huge 40-foot billboard ads. That's a kick um, in the pants, huh? Yeah, that was pretty fun. And then I actually I had, a again, just another network, but a, um, a film student that I went to high school with was out in New York. And I said, hey, any chance you can head down there and get some video of my video up on the wall? Because that would be really fun for us. And so when he sent that back, that was the only we you know we never got to fly out there and actually see it. Uh -huh. But that was that was pretty awesome. Um, we also do stuff for. Um, um, we've done a couple different car commercials here. We've done GMC recently, where we got to travel all around the U.S. and film real life customers and their experiences with GM for the last thirty years. Um, got to meet some really cool people and travel to a bunch of places. Definitely not on my bucket list. And the deep deep south and east of uh, the U.S., but it was a lot of fun. So, storytelling, I've heard you, it, in various ways, use the phrase about telling a story. So, it, it sounds like that's embedded in the culture of your brand, in your firm, is that whatever project you're hired for, you're telling a story for that client. Yeah, we, we found out that if you just talk about a product, everyone knows that you're selling a product but if you can provide something above where you don't have to pay to force people to watch it say a commercial between a piece of content that someone really wants to listen to um, then you're doing something right so if you can create a piece of content that people actually search for 
that they might want to share with their friends. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to necessarily be the quote-unquote viral, but something that's, it, it could be inspiring, it could be entertaining, it could be educational, and that's the kind of content that we want to, to provide. And when you put that in a video form, it's got to tell a story. You know, we uh, uh, the Super Bowl just happened recently here, and we, we had a group over to watch it, and the one commercial that resonated across the demographic that was at the in my house watching the game uh, was the Chrysler commercial w- with Bob Dylan, because I think that was a story as well. Each year they seem to have these iconic people telling a story about their brand. I can't speak to whether the car supports the message, but I thought the message was was uh, connected well because it was basically it was him talking to us a story. It wasn't really selling a car as much as it was selling a philosophy, I thought, about the country and then the brand. Yeah, and, and you kind of touched on this a little bit. A good story is going to you're going to resonate with that commercial, but does it mean that the product is really that much better? Maybe not if they're not being truthful. And so that's where marketing, if marketing can help build, make that product a better product, um, that's where we're heading in the future. But um, Yeah, you would need that because if he drove a lot of traffic to the local Chrysler and you drove the car, and I'm not saying it wouldn't be a great experience, but if it doesn't live up to what the commercial suggested, then I think it was almost a disingenuous waste of time. Right, and and you can watch that. I mean, we review all of. The, I'm actually heading down after this to go review every single um, Super Bowl commercial for down in uh, Irvine, where we get to just watch them back to back, and that's oh, one wow. of the exercises we do. But you'll, it's almost we. You can bet money on some of the commercials this year that as you're watching them, you could barely tell what the company was going to be at the end. Right, that we were surprised by a couple of them. Really, I never saw that coming. Okay, we need to take a break here. We're having a conversation with Tori Tayanaka, and we're talking, and he's co-founder of Sparkhouse. We're talking about his firm and video and telling a story and we'll be right back after these commercial words and when we do i'm going to ask you if you can tell us about how your firm comes up with the concepts and the ideas to use video production as a marketing tool so we're going to talk about that with tori as well as crowdfunding and some other things here on critical mass radio show after these words from our sponsors talk about your family business you know that thing you put your whole life's blood sweat and tears into well what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children at succession strategies we can help you find the answers we'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader, tutor, or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of the Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I want to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show 
As a podcast, you've downloaded over 12,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and ever-increasing support. All of our shows can be heard here on Internet Radio Station octalkradio.net, or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, or other business-oriented podcasting services. Tori Tayanaka, who is co-founder of Sparkhouse, is our first guest here on the program today. Can you discuss some of the aspects of video marketing? Maybe give a quick pros and cons, if you can, to our audience of CEOs and business owners. Um, I would say the biggest thing, I mean, selling video is not tough for us. Everyone wants video. They, they know that it's the easiest and quickest medium to explain a company, a product, a business. Um, and it's entertaining. It, most of the newer generation here doesn't want to read anything. And so the only way you can get people to learn or listen about something is really to play them a video. But when it comes down to it, video is an expensive art. Uh, just to come out and film, there's going to be a crew of, say, five to ten people. These are all educated and trained professionals with really expensive equipment. So it comes down to what our, one of our goals is to get creative in the way that we produce our films to make sure that we can create a lot of content for our clients um, at a lower rate. And is there a big market for this type? I mean, you say everybody knows it, but when they get the sticker shock, or at least when they understand not only the price but the time and the attention to detail that's required, do, um, do many middle market companies, you know, we, we said some big company names, audience here is generally middle market CEOs, are you finding that they're finding a way to use video to advertise and promote their companies and their brand? Yeah, 100%. And especially with YouTube and everything, some of these small companies can really do the videos themselves. And YouTube is allowing them to do that without hurting their brand too much because people understand that uh, a low-budget film is totally fine. Um, when you're trying to step up your brand and take it to that, say, middle level and you want to take it up to the next level, you're going to want to hire uh, at least a production company to bring the value up so that the value of your videos matches the value of your brand and your product. Um, but like if you saw Pepsi come out with a commercial that just looked like it was made by a kid, um, you're going to think a little, question a little about what they're spending their money on. But um, yeah, what we try to do is get creative with the way that we structure our content. And so we might be able to film three or four videos in a single day mm-hmm. if we keep the content similar. And that's where our agency side allows for us to, to service our customers a little bit better. Excellent. Um, I said before the break we were going to touch on crowdfunding. Um, it's a hot topic. But I also think it's not just a hot topic for startup companies, technology companies. I'm excited for firms that are middle market firms to figure out how do you use crowdfunding to accelerate or overcome something that's an impediment in your business or creates an opportunity. Um, Can you share with us your experience with crowdfunding and kind of as an an example for our audience and how your firm was able to uh, use crowdfunding to reach clients and potential customers as well as raise money? Yeah, I think I think crowdfunding today is is a no-brainer. It's it's a huge opportunity. It's a huge avenue for people to test out products. Right now, like you go back five, ten years ago, if you had an idea for a product, you were going to drop a quarter of a million dollars into R and D, manufacturing, taking it out overseas, bringing it back, seeing that you have faults in it, and this is all before you've ever even shown it to a customer to tell you that that button is in the wrong position to make something feasible. And we saw so many companies with tons and tons of quantities of just inventory and nowhere to go with it. Then they were trying to hire us as a marketing company to save them from there, (laughs) and they had no money now because they spent it all on manufacturing. Now imagine taking that and spending about $50,000, getting a good design done, getting some great branding done, and mocking up the concept of what you have, putting it out to the crowd. The crowd's not only going to help invest into the company, but they're also going to give you comments. You're building your first your first pledge group and they're going to tell you look we want we want something a little bit different we want something a little bit better and you might find out that the price point was too high or the price point was too low and 
you can do all this right off the bat before you actually really take in the investment. Um, so one of the things that we did, we had, we had a scientist group out in Riverside come over to us and want us to help design a mosquito repellent. Um, they came to us with a compound, and we developed the first ever wearable mosquito repellent called the Kite Patch. We put that out onto the market um, with a similar Tom's Shoes model where if you buy a, a patch here, uh, we'd ship one out to Uganda where out um, in Uganda... Um, malaria is really what you're scared of when you're getting bit by a mosquito. Right. Um, and so we set a goal of $75,000 to manufacture these first rounds, and we hit that goal in four and a half days, and then we ended up raising $557,254 um, in the 45-day stretch. And uh, Hold on, Tori. Yeah. Your goal was 75000 You raised over a half a million dollars. Yeah. Why do you think? Uh, video, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thing, game, yeah. set, match. Okay. No, we, yeah, there we had go. a killer video, but we had a good cause. You have a good product. You have you can explain it well. We got it out to the right people. We had the right backers behind it, um, and uh, really, it, it was a good cause. People understood right away that mosquitoes are a problem, and if we can create something that's easy, non-toxic, wearable, where you don't have to put it on your skin, um, it can really make a big difference in the world. That whole part of the country that you toured for the GMC probably were people that could use mosquito repellent that's healthy much, for them, right? Much more. I have family out in Michigan, and they tell me I don't understand what it's like to have mosquito bites. You, know, you don't. Uh, our producer and engineer from today's show is from Michigan. He's shaking his head very affirmatively. Your company also participates in Forge 54, Forge, F-O-R-G-E 54. Can you tell us what that is and what your company does to help out nonprofits in different causes? Yeah, Forge 54 is one of the most exciting things that I've done in the last year, and even push aside the half a million we raised with the mosquito repellent. Uh, one of the things that we try to do as an agency is give back to our community, and so we wanted to donate our services to a nonprofit. We tried that last year, and we found out that there's too many um, levels of, of voting and boards and meetings and things like that to get anything done, and so we spent about six months and really didn't accomplish anything. So we came up with this idea of creating a hackathon, a marketing weekend, where for 54 hours we lock as many people, creative and marketing agency people, into our office, from Friday at noon until Sunday at 6 and try to do as much marketing as possible for a nonprofit. The OC Food Bank agreed to kind of let us go for it. And so in 54 hours, we had 47 people donate $160,000 worth of services, redoing their logo, their website, creating three commercials, social media campaign, PR campaign, and really just creating an amazing event. Are they using what you created then? So right now they're working on implementing the logos. Um, we just now did a beta test onto their server for the website, so we're hoping within the next uh, month or so we should see actual um, new OC Food Bank trucks going out with our new logo and branding. Wow. Um, the website should be up within the next probably 15 to 20 days. And then also, as soon as they launch that, um, our firm is going to be launching our 15-minute documentary web series about all the people that helped on it. So we had a lot of students donate their time. We had a, a lot of young professionals, and we got to see them, you know, 24 hours in with no sleep, six Red Bulls, getting some work done and getting a little crazy. Yeah, that'd be interesting. People love the behind-the-scenes uh, uh, information and videos and seeing what really happened behind the scenes as well. If if there are nonprofit executives that are listening to this show that would like to learn more about uh, Project 54, um, or excuse me, Forge 54. How do they get in touch with you? How do they find out about that part of your effort that you're doing? In the we, we created a custom website for that. So if you go to Forge 54, F-O-R-G-E 54.com, you can check out um, our past work as well as there's an application process because we are going to be looking for another nonprofit. We're going to be doing this again in September of 2014. Well, that's great. Uh, I, I 
can't imagine what that is like about, like you said, 24, 36 hours in. But what a great idea. Yeah, it was, it's a lot of fun, and I think it allows a lot of young professionals to donate some time that they normally wouldn't be able to. All right, I want to ask you your guiding principle. You've learned a lot. You've been in business since a young man. You're growing multiple business ventures here. Is there one overarching belief that you have, kind of what we call on the radio show, your guiding principle for how you're leading and growing Sparkhouse and your other ventures? Um, I mean, we've kind of gone with our gut. We, we do what feels right. We, we want to do right by people. Um, we never want to burn bridges. We, we make sure we know that everyone that we meet is eventually going to give us business in some way or we're going to collaborate with them. And so our goal has been to never lose a client. Um, our goal is to never lose a partner. And um, we, we haven't done that so far. So what's the future hold for you as an entrepreneur? You've done a lot early in early stage in your career. Yeah, you must be building even more momentum to do even more in the future. Uh, we have you back in a couple years. What are you going to be doing or what's going to be happening with Sparkhouse? What's the future hold for you and your firms? Yeah, with Sparkhouse, we definitely have some big goals to expand and, and to create some bigger marketing. We're partnering with FX Online, which is a web company, to, to allow us to, to build, to offer even more services within our own agency. Um, but the future for me is really, like, I think that the sky's the limit. We're going to keep starting more and more companies because we have the skills and the ideas to help market and bring these companies to to the market. And so we're looking to partner with great innovative people that have those ideas that want to take a risk and, and really see what we can do. And if someone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about Sparkhouse, how do they do that, Tori? Uh, Sparkhouse is at um, www.thesparkhouse.com. Um, and then my personal website is torryt.com, T-O-R-R-E-Y-T.com. And final question, what was the uh, inspiration for the name Sparkhouse? Um, Sparkhouse, uh, if you look at our logo, it's an anglerfish, and it's got this this glowing spark. It's a, it's a lure, and if you know anything about an anglerfish, they attract their, their prey into them by this spark. And uh, when they get close enough, they eat them. And so we want to be that spark for our clients so that you can bring in your customers and eat them. <laughs> what a great image that is. Uh, Tori Tayanaka, thank you for being a guest of the program, a friend of the radio show. Welcome to our community. Continued success in your career. Oh, thanks for having me. You're my pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our second commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. As I said at the top of the show, Steve Smith, who is president and founder of Growth Source Coaching, will be my second guest. Stay tuned after these words from our commercial sponsors. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then 
Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO Peer Groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 12,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard here on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. All right, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to our studio here our second guest, Steve Smith, who is president and founder of Growth Source Coaching. Steve, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for having me today. That's great. Let's talk about you before we talk about your firm and some other questions we have. So tell us a little bit about your background, kind of your path to your current firm, Growth Source Coaching. Well, I had a wonderful, wonderful 25-year career in the consumer products industry and basically food products. Um, I started with General Mills. I worked for the Lysol brand company. Um, I worked for a small pharmaceutical company by the name of Carter Wallace. And my last tour of duty was with a burial products manufacturer, actually the largest one in the world based in Indiana, called Batesville Casket. Get out of town. Yeah, I know. It was the strangest business. I, yeah, wow. Yeah. Everybody's seen at least one white truck going up and down the, the highway with a little green tree on the back. But uh, that was a very, very interesting business, but one I'm, I'm glad I've moved on from. And you were in marketing roles? I was in. I was the director of sales for the sales. West Coast. So I had... 1,600 funeral homes and mortuaries <laughs> within the uh, seven states that you know we all kind of participated in. So I'm sorry, I'm not mean to laugh at your career. Oh no, that is like <laughs> you, you I'm had being to. in sales all my life. I can't imagine what that sales call must be like. Well, though. if you if you if you can sell an eighteen thousand dollars stainless steel <laughs> casket with a smile on your face, then you know you've made it. Wow. So yeah, so it was it was a very interesting change up. Um, but at the time that I left that, um, I had really kind of decided that 
all my life I actually wanted to have my own business. I just didn't know when it was going to happen or right. what it was going to be. I share that. And so I can remember the day that I got into this, and I actually made a mistake on a website when I was filling out a profile. It was the ladders. It's a kind of a right, marketing, sure. yeah. Right. yeah. The and place for the 100K jobs, There right? you go. Right. 100K and, and above. <clears throat> and I went, to, I went to hit submit to process the information, and I didn't go all the way down the page and check off all the ads saying, would you like to learn about this? Would you like to do that? And I missed one at the very bottom. And it ended up being a lady who was a consultant to help people figure out what kind of business they could start up. Mm. Six weeks later, she was the one that turned me on to business coaching. I'd never realized there was an industry for that because I was always in kind of a corporate environment. And right. You kind of knew what you were doing. You knew what the trade channels were you operated in. Nobody really thought about that much. And she was the one that opened my eyes to a completely new world in you know the wild world of small business and the fact that business coaching was a profession. And that's when I started. Are you, um, when you had your various jobs in consumer products, were you moving around for those jobs or were you able to be in one location? No, actually, from start to finish, we did seven moves. Um, I started in the Washington, D.C., Maryland area. Okay. And uh, from there, I went to North Carolina, uh, came back uh, into Maryland. Um, I was in Virginia for a while. I was up in New York. In fact, the company I was with when I was in New York was the one that shipped me to California. California was supposed to be a two-year job, and I was going back to the headquarters in New York. And a year and a half into it, the company got sold. So I'm thinking, okay, do I go back there, or do we stay out here? Well, we loved it out here. Yeah, so of course. We've been out here for 21 years. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you were always going to be an entrepreneur, but you were just looking for the right it was, thing, I was just waiting right? for the right time. Right yeah. time. Yeah. All I'm right. kind of a late bloomer when it comes to that, but wow. I think it was the right time for me. I was 49 when I left the corporate world and started my business here okay. at Critical Mass, so I'm not sure where you were, but it, I always knew from uh, or an early age that I wanted to own my own business, but I just yeah, never got around absolutely. to it kind of a thing. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Life gives you those opportunities. So let's talk about Growth Source Coaching. First, how did you come up with the name? <laughs> I actually had been playing around with names, you know, catchy things. I was looking at competitors, trying to figure out what everybody was going to. And then I was talking to my son, and he said, it's got to mean something. You know, it can't be just some trendy kind of thing that you use because people remember. It's got to have some meaning to it. And so I started to look at my background and how I work and what I've seen from the people I've helped excel in their own careers. Uh -huh. And what I realized was most of the growth that people enjoy over some span of their career comes from themselves. That's the source. It's in you. Mm -hmm. You may need somebody to help you direct it, pull it out, develop it. Okay. But it all comes from inside. So that's when we came up with the term growth source, you know, figuring out where the growth's coming from and where the source of it is, and you work from there out. So, so that's where the name came from. What is it that you do for your clients? I like to tell folks that what I help people do is to do things that they have never been able to do on their own. And when it comes to business, you know, you have people that get into a lot of different businesses. Some of them are wildly successful. Other ones kind of struggle for most of their lives. What I try to do is come in and help them gain an awareness of where they are, where they are on that path, and what they're trying to get to so that they are willing to take ownership for the remedy, the solution that's going to get them the rest of the way. And who are typically your clients? Uh, my clients are almost exclusively either established business owners or partners. In, in the medical field, in the legal field, you get a lot of that partnership stuff going on. Um, I actually, my second year in, realized I was attracting a lot of husband and wife ownerships 
which has a kind of a unique perspective to it because for them, you go to business and you do your thing. And when you come home, you're looking at the same person. So a lot of their problems were basically how do we separate our business life and our personal life? Right. So business owners, um, I work with entrepreneurs, but I've learned over the years that if they haven't been starting and working on their business for at least 12 months, then everything we talk about tends to be somewhat academic. So I almost like to have them go out there and try it themselves, work for a little bit, kind of know what they can and can't do. So then the things that I help them learn how to do, they will take more seriously because they realize what what it was like when they were on their own. Right. Yeah. Experience is yeah. A very humbling and a great oh, teacher. Isn't absolutely. It? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So what type of services specifically do you help and how do you help them to make the growth source happen in their firm? What is it that you do for them? Okay. Um, when I meet a new client, what I typically start with is to figure out what they want out of their business, out of their personal life. What is it that they're trying to get to that they're, they're challenged by or they're, they just can't get there? And, because I want to know if they have a vision. You know, I mean, you've heard the saying that if you don't have a clear idea of what's in, you know, in your head, you're probably not going to be able to achieve it in reality. Right. And a lot of people don't really have a good idea of where they're going. They're just on the wheel, and they're running as fast as they can. So I try to help them, guide them from a, a vision perspective. What does this business mean to you, and where are you taking it? And once we can get that on paper and they understand exactly what the target looks like, okay, then I can prescribe a certain course of action that may just be, guidance and accountability they know what they need to do I, I can't tell you the number of times people say well i knew that but they need somebody else to help them recognize it's important enough to take action on i'm so, always surprised how many entrepreneurs and business owners know what they need to do and and at the end can't seem to do it consistently enough to get the results that they want to get from the activity the um there's a saying that you know, i didn't make this up somebody told me this early in my career you have to understand the difference between activity and accomplishment mm -hmm. and when you're mired in a lot of daily minutiae and you've got your arms around a lot of different things and everything has the same level of priority to it i just had a client call today and we got into the same subject he said i can never seem to get a project done with mm. I so, said, well, the problem is you're treating everything the same. So right. everything lasts forever. Right. And, and, you know, that's half the battle is just getting them clear about what they should be spending their time on and focusing and putting the resources towards and what things they either need to outsource to someone else or just not do. Not do. That's and a lot the of times it's just for, not do. Right. For small companies. Yeah. Just you wake up next day it. and the sun comes up and the business is open and you realize, you know what? I don't have to do that. Right. I'll wait until somebody calls me to. Right. Right. Until they yeah, need And that's it. okay. So, so when you came in and sat down, uh, knowing you and knowing your background, I thought I'd hear more that you were helping through consulting and coaching around the sales, business development, front end of the business. But it sounds like in your consulting engagements, you, you're doing that and you're doing vision planning and helping from a strategic perspective with the CEO, business owner, husband and wife to really map out more than revenue generation and top line revenue growth. I I started out almost exclusively dealing in the sales and marketing area because most everybody, that's their challenge. Right. And what I started to realize, especially with larger companies where you have maybe a multitude, multiple layers of management, employees and locations, there's a lot going on, that I could shovel marketing strategy at these guys all day long, and they couldn't get their arms around it because they were so engrossed in a lot of dysfunctional operation going on in the business. So I, I started to realize if I can help them clear the deck 
and feel like they have the time and they can devote the you know the brain power right. to actually looking at a strategy and implementing a marketing plan and then either delegating it or getting involved themselves is a much greater likelihood it's going to work because mm-hmm. they feel like they have the time to do it. It's not something they're going to learn and they're going to put it aside and three months later, oh, gee, what happened to that? But if the organization and the, the people management and everything else is kind of wonky and they don't really have a good feel of how it works and everybody else is running around like chickens with no heads, it's very difficult for them to get outside of that and look at marketing, which is takes place outside the company. Right. It, it, having a long career in sales, it always would be a source of frustration for me when the solution to the problem was do something different with our sales and marketing when from my perspective, we were the symptom of what was wrong, not the cause. And so you can always look at why aren't we selling more, but the reality is until we take a cross-functional look at the whole company, the results are the results. Yeah, you might get a little bit of a bounce if you fire me or right. whatever, but at the end of the day, you're going to revert back to the mean. Absolutely. This is what the company gets. So if you're going to fix that, you've got to start inside and saying what's preventing us from being a better, more successful supplier in the marketplace. Absolutely. And the other concept that I developed almost probably a year after I got going with this was if you're going to look at your, your growth sources, where should you be looking first? Many times the answer is right in front of them but they don't see it for what it is. They don't recognize it as something they should be spending time on. Mm -hmm. So I typically devote time to three areas. What's going on in the marketplace that you can take advantage of? What's happening within your own organization that needs to be tuned up or gotten rid of or done so you run more efficiently? And then what's in your head? What are you thinking about? What are you doing? Are you actually leading from the front or are you just trailing from the back? And if you can figure out where those problems are, and sometimes they're in all three, but usually they're in one or two of the three, and you can focus on that, you can fast track their their, their rate of improvement much better because now they understand, they feel connected to the solution. It's nice to be able to be focused in your consulting around and coaching around uh, revenue, too, because there's a pretty easy metric if you're making a difference, right? If, mm-hmm. if, if you get some additional revenue, people start to see the growth. They get happy with your services, I imagine, right? That's that's nice. And the other thing I've realized, and I have one client up north that is in this. He's got a fairly substantial-sized business now. His problem is not more revenue. His problem is keeping more of what he makes. So between the way he operates the company, by the time it gets to the bottom line, there's nothing left. So for him, it wasn't, I don't need to drive the top end. I just need to figure out how to make this profitable. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, that comes with its own set of challenges, doesn't it, Steve? I'm talking with Steve Smith. He is president and founder of his firm, Growth Source Coaching. We're going to take our third and final commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And when we come back, uh, we're going to continue the conversation. I'm going to ask him, what is a growth assessment? And mm-hmm. that's what we're going to talk about after the break. But first, these words from our commercial sponsors. There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else. And that university is Brandman. Brandman University is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. And it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News and World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, 
We recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and CEOs who listen to learn from our guests. If you're interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our show. We delivered over 20,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions in the month of January. To learn more, contact our advertising department at 949 887 4104. All of our shows can be found on our website, which is criticalmass4business.com. Steve Smith is our second guest here on the program today. He's president and founder of his firm, Growth Source Coaching. Before the break, Steve, I was going to ask you if you could explain what the business growth assessment is and then kind of how you use that with your clients. Okay. Uh, One of the things that I am a firm believer in is when you enter into a coaching or even a consulting relationship with a client, you shouldn't be charging them to learn what they do. And I know in a lot of the industry that kind of goes on, but I try to fast track that learning up front so we can get right to things that will help them. Hmm. So what I start every every arrangement, every relationship with is this business growth assessment. It is a 97-question diagnostic survey, and it goes through management and how they market and what kind of sales process they have and how they run the business and how they manage the business and and even their mindset it gets into the things they think about and are they risk takers and how they view money and it's all designed for me to get as much data as i can so when i start interacting with them i have some basic idea of where they are now and the things that are creating gaps and hurdles and challenges for them how did you come across that idea i think that's a great idea what a wonderful way to start i mean it sounds very powerful it is uh because when most people see it the the most common response i get after people fill that out is it brought up things i had never thought about before wow and sometimes i get a lot of na's meaning i'm not doing this at all right and so they start thinking about gee that's part of something i should be doing i've heard about it but i don't do it so it does create a lot of awareness for them, which is important because that's the process of helping them gain an understanding of what they really ought to be doing to have the business they want. And so I take that and I create a summary and I give it back to them, not as this is what you need to do, but here are the areas that I've determined are holding you back. Mm -hmm. And here are the things that you would need to do in order to get over that. And then we have a 90 minute strategy session on the phone before we even start coaching. 
And it's the whole idea is to get their buy-in, to get them to ask questions, to understand it, to delve deeper into things that are probably pivotal. And then once they buy into it, the strategy for their progression in the six months, 12 months, however long I'm going to work with them, is based on that roadmap. Hmm. So a roadmap's created, and it gives them a sense of, okay, I know where I'm going. I may not know how to do all this, but at least I know what's going to happen after it's over. I know what I'll be able to do, what I'll be exposed to. I'll kind of know where I'm going. Well, um, that must be a point of differentiation for you, I would think, when people engage with you. I I think it is, and I I know that there's larger companies that do that. Um, I think the Tony Robbins organization has something similar. Uh, They call Blueprint for Success or something like that. I don't know how many smaller boutique-style coaching companies do that. Right. So I try to use that as something that people can really get a sense of, okay, here's where we're going. Right. If you have to answer that many questions, 97 questions out of the gate, that means you have a lot of things that you can help them with, or at least you've thought about a lot of things that you could help them with. So a lot that, of, that's wonderful. And you don't waste patterns. time. You yes. don't waste time in areas where you go, okay, well, right. you got that dialed in. Right. Don't want to waste time here. on things they already do well. Right. All right. So I love to ask our guests when it's appropriate about your guiding principle and a guiding principle for me is of all the things that you've learned in your professional career you know you must have settled on a few things that you believe um to in your dna it's how you run your firm you're leading it and you're growing it so if you could share just kind of a preview of what your guiding principle is for how you're leading a growing growth source coaching i would appreciate it yeah um a few of the things that i like to live by i strive to live by is is one Make every encounter that you get involved in better for the fact that you were there. You know, leave everybody feeling like, you know, wow, I'm glad I got to know that person. I'm glad I had an opportunity to work with them. Don't leave people wanting, you know. And and if you can do that, I think you boost your own credibility and your own brand, in, especially if you are the business. So that's one thing I, I work on. The other thing I work on is... Make sure that some days are good, some days are bad, but there's always good that comes out of bad. And mm-hmm. if you can maintain a very positive and a very kind of a take-charge attitude, that helps tremendously because we all have things that we could sit back and grouse about or you know, sit around and say, gee, I don't know if I want to keep doing this because things aren't working right. But you only really learn when you stumble. And so if you look at failure and and missteps as just really good learning principles that will help you course correct, Mm -hmm. and you can keep that in the forefront of your mind, you'll reach the goals you want. It may take some time to get there, but and then have fun. Enjoy the journey. Um, One of the things that my wife and I do is we ride motorcycles. And so for me, it's not where I'm going to get. It's the ride. And so that's she the way has I look her own motorcycle. No, she's a co-pilot. Okay. She's on the back. Well, that's cool. Um, that's she likes it. She doesn't really want to be holding onto yeah, the handlebars. I don't, I don't blame her. Yeah. yeah. But it's a lot it's more a, fun in the back. You absolutely. have to look around. Yeah. And well, she has to look it. at my helmet, you know. It's, right. But not to the side. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, when did you start your firm? What year? I started in August of 2008. That's when I formally Bless you, brother. Up. Yeah, I started in September of 2007. And so you and I know those first few years, the economy wasn't exactly on fire, was no, it? Nobody told me what I was stepping into. You know, I'm thinking, gee, there's all these businesses out here. And, you know, like everybody else, I mean, the, the, you know, the sky fell for a short yeah. period of time. But Yeah, we're geniuses, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We wait our whole career to start a business, and then we launch it in the teeth of the greatest recession we're ever going to see. Yes, I know. Timing being, <laughs> uh, I know. But we're still here. Well, but you know what? If, if if you could read the future and somebody had told me this was going to happen, I never would have done this. Right. And that would have been the right. real 
unfortunate right. mistake. I agree. So sometimes being a little blind isn't a bad thing. Well, and I think fighting through, I mean, believe me, I wish things would have been easier in the early years, you know, like you, but uh, fighting through some of those, the lessons that I learned there, I hopefully will never forget. I think of my parents who grew up in the Depression. Mm-hmm. There were things that they never forgot. Right. And I think this Great Recession will have left an imprint, not just on baby boomers, but on the younger generations, too, that things always always aren't as easy as they might be during the good times. And so, you know, right. save for a rainy day and all those kind of sayings that maybe got lost a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, come back to people and remind us that, that they're good sayings. Absolutely. All right. We've got a few more minutes left here. I know you have a blog, mm-hmm. and it's called Business Coaching That Works. Yes. Can, can you tell us a little bit about it, and who's your target audience for that? Um, my target audience are business owners. Um, they, you know, strangely enough, uh, because I have a fair amount of clients past and present in overseas markets, I get a lot of hits from the UK, from Denmark, from Australia that come to this blog. And the reason I set it up was not just to impart my opinion or information. What I really wanted to do was set up and frame a topic that would create the reader, cause them to, to get some insights out of it, cause them to really think about how, what it meant to them, to their business what they ought to be doing with it. Because ultimately what I want them to do is read it and then go out and do something with it. That's the essence of coaching. Do something with what you just learned. So if I can create that same aura in a blog Uh and get people to read it and say, wow, I can do that and go out and actually do something with it, then that's what it's up there for. So how frequently do you blog? I blog once a week. Okay. And I write longer articles, which I publish on other websites. Uh, Biznick is one uh-huh. uh, that you know I'll publish, or Small Business Community. Um, so I write the long articles, and I put them on my website and on these other sites. And then the blogs are usually the shorter things. Uh, one of the things I've just recently started, which I never thought about before, was guest blogs. Now I have people asking me, can I put a blog on your site? And as long as it kind of fits in the, the mm. theme, sure, why not? And uh, do you find those to be any more popular? Absolutely. The first one that this lady wrote, um, I, I put it on there, and then I took the link and put it on LinkedIn. I got more comments about that than I got my own stuff. So I thought, I should be doing more of this. Hey, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Go out and find thoughtful people who will write to your blog? Absolutely. Right. And yeah. as long as it fits that, you know, help the business owner figure out how to do a better job, then I'll, I'll accept it. You know, if Great. it's something on how to sell skin cream, no, it's not, it's not the right format. Okay. Uh, final question. We have about two minutes left here mm-hmm. on the show. Tell me about what the future holds. You know, talk about the growth opportunities for you. Uh, we, we talked that the economy is healing businesses. People are spending money. People are now focused on growing again, not yes. just maintaining and, you know, stopping the bleeding. So wh- what does the future hold for you and your firm, Steve? Well, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that and i initially wanted to build this big massive organization have a dozen coaches working for me and i've started really? to realize that you know what i what i really want to do is be able to practice this as long as i can okay so as long as my head is clear uh-huh. and i can offer value to somebody else if i can keep that right in my sweet spot in terms of capacity that's the best place for me to be which also happens to be one of the challenges because I run in spurts, you know, I keep clients and then one month I get five right. and then three months later, I'm still working with the same group and a couple have finished. So they're out. Right. Uh, so you have to market every single day because you don't have people saying, gee, I'm going to buy it now. And three months later, I'll come back and buy it again. They come in for a duration. They get what they want. They fly right. on their own. 
maybe you'll see them in a couple of years, but chances are not. And so you always have to find clients. And so trying to keep it between 20 and 24 clients, which is kind of my optimal capacity level, uh, if I start getting much ahead of that, then I've got to look for help because then I'm not doing the client any justice. But if I can keep it at that level and and be a, a specialized type of firm and work with clients that I really enjoy, manufacturers are great because there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of things that they can deal with. Right. Professional services, lawyers, dentists, you know, people like that, they understand that they spend all their time developing their license and their certification for what they practice. They spend almost no time learning how to run the business. And that's why they're, they're usually interested in learning how to tune things up so that they can do what they love. So if I can kind of keep my sweet spot there and work with the kind of businesses that I want, I could do this till I'm 65, 68, doesn't matter. It's great, isn't it, to reframe retirement when you do what you love, isn't it? <laughs> I love that, reframe. I have to remember right. that. Cause, yeah. Because I, I was living for the day that I could retire from the corporate gig so that I could do something else. And now in this role, I never want to retire. Right. I'd rather do this at some level forever because I find it so rewarding and fun. Absolutely. And that's I think that's the beauty of running a small business where you really know what you do well and you know who likes it. And if you can keep it under control and you can keep it sustainable and it provides you with everything you like in your off hours, you can't really do any better than no, that. No, you can't. No, you're blessed. You no, know, that's that's wonderful. Okay, Steve, someone wants to learn more about Steve Smith or Growth Source Coaching. How do they find you online? Well, you can visit my website, which is growthsourcecoaching.com. Um, if you've gone through that, I provide a lot of articles, a lot of videos, things like that that you can learn about who I am and who I've helped. Um, the phone number is on every page of the website, and they can call 949-951-9163. That's my direct office line. And I chat with everybody complimentary because I really want to find out what they need and can I help them. Right. I can't help everybody, but uh, if I can help them, that's a good way to start. Well, I thank you for being a guest on the show, a friend of the program, and welcome to the business community thank you, that we have here. Very nice to be here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Steve Smith, Growth Source Coaching. All right, I'd like to uh, say I hope that all of the t- topics that we had both today here with uh, with him and with uh, Tori earlier can be used by you to help you make better and more informed decisions. The show was brought to you by Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and the Center Club. I'd like to thank our engineer for today's show, Paul Roberts. Our producer is Crystal Nunley. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Our social media media manager is Asia Celestino. And I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business or want to refer a future guest or advertise, please visit our website, criticalmassforbusiness.com. Until the next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.